Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Rees. Even if you've never practiced Tai Chi, you've undoubtedly heard about it and quite possibly you've seen people doing it, perhaps in a group or individually at a public park. But what is it exactly? It's got an Asian-sounding name, but it's certainly popular in the West. It seems to involve a lot of distinct movements and postures. It presumably has health benefits, but it doesn't look as if it provides an aerobically intense workout. Did we hear somewhere that it's actually a martial art? Here to tell us about it is Christy Hallisey, a physical therapist who incorporates Tai Chi into her clinical practice and enthusiastically touts its benefits in her own life. Why, is it possible that there's even more than one way to pronounce the term? Let's get to it and ask Christy some questions. So, Christy, we're going to be talking about uh, incorporating Tai Chi into a physical therapy plan of care in a moment. Uh, but, but first of all, for the uninitiated, can you talk a little bit about what Tai Chi is and, and sort of where it started? Tai Chi is an ancient Chinese martial art, and it was designed in the 13th century kind of as a hand-to-hand combat for young warriors. And it was developed in a village called Chen Village in China, and it descended through multiple families, and there's five different styles of Tai Chi now. And just from a technical standpoint, Americans frequently say Tai Chi, and the Chinese pronunciation of that is Tai Chi, or J-I, Tai Chi. And it's just a technicality because the word Qi in the Chinese language actually means energy, and it goes with the concept of Qigong. And energy cultivation is a really broad form of a martial art, has many applications, and Tai Chi is just one example of Qigong. So many of us probably have seen older adults, like in a, in a city park, making Tai Chi moves and using it as what appears to be some sort of exercise if you're kind of observing. But that's sort of a disconnect from the idea of it being a martial art, as you just described. So tell me, what are those park moves all about, and, and what are the benefits for those people who you see in the park doing it? So the movements you see in a park are still the same kind of circular martial art movements of old. There's different styles, I said, but they're still all done with these kind of sweeping circular motions with really good body mechanics. It was designed as a martial art to be very efficient and effective movement pattern. So what happens to those people in the park is they're learning how to move efficiently and effectively and with really good body mechanics and alignment. And it's also done in a very mindful way so that you're kind of uniting mind and body while you exercise. And so there's this wonderful biomechanical effect of making something really solid so that you can do things like squat and lift and push and pull better. Because it came from a martial art, it's designed to be really effective. And so those people in the park are really trying to improve their strength, get better balance, be more mindful about how they move, and be more efficient about how they move. You talked about mindfulness. Uh, how are you encouraging that in, when, you're, when you're leading a Tai Chi session? Tai Chi always starts with a kind of the concept of centering. And centering is one of the ancient mind-body principles of Tai Chi. So when you center, you assume a 
silent posture, they call it the horse stance, where you stand with a little bit of knee flexion and your feet are parallel and you're looking straight ahead and you're being very mindful of the present moment so that you're actually in the present moment, not thinking about what's happening later on today or what happened yesterday, but exercising mindfully and kind of connecting the mind, body, spirit, so to speak, which was really one of the traditional things in that martial art was to be aware of your surroundings so that you can act really efficiently and with good action. How does a person know how to move in a Tai Chi fashion, if you will? How are you teaching that? What does a person need to know coming into Tai Chi if they don't have any experience with it before? So you really kind of start with what are the um, Tai Chi mind-body principles. So this concept of centering and being very present is the meditative piece of it and bringing your mind to the action. Then you learn to stand with your feet squarely grounded. So you feel your feet on the ground. You're rooted in your feet and the movements are powered by your legs, chiefly the quadriceps muscles, the anterior thigh muscles. You're guided through your spine and then things are expressed in your hand. So what happens is you get this really efficient movement pattern that's also very effective in terms of carrying out activities of daily living. And then the final piece of that, and this is the hardest part and from a mind-body principle, is really learning to move in an integrated fashion. When you watch somebody who's really good at Tai Chi, they almost look like they're doing a dance. And it takes a long time to have a really effective, coordinated movement pattern like the traditional Tai Chi forms ask for. Did it take you a long time to to get to that stage? Oh, I don't even think I'm there yet. <laughs> they call it Taiji practice for a reason. You can have good days and bad days. You have days where you're like not focused and you can tell that your movements are out of sync or you'll forget what the next pattern is. Uh, the traditional Taiji forms that exist can have up to 108 movement patterns. So it's lots of things to memorize and then you have to be focused so you can keep things in order. So that's why it's repetitive practice that you do over time. And probably one of the most important things to do when you're going to practice Tai Chi is to practice every day. Any particular time of day or any uh, particular, you say, about about five minutes, about that length of time? That's just to get you started. And, and if you miss a day, you know, it's not like you can do it once a week for 60 minutes and make up your time. You're better off to do a little bit every time. The question about what time of day, if you were a traditional Tai Chi practice practitioner, you would do it first thing in the morning and also likely before you went to bed at night to kind of bring you into the day and, and exit the day. But many people will do it in the morning in a park because overnight trees and other green leaf foliage plants produce oxygen. So the idea was to do it in the morning by in a park by trees so that you could get fresh oxygen into your blood bloodstream and help with your overall health. You talked about there being all these different positions and, and so on. Uh, is, is this something that uh, people kind of give themselves homework in, that you, that you can study and should study as you learn proper uh, Tai Chi moves? Yes, absolutely. If you go to a class to learn Tai Chi and just expect that you're going to go once a week, and learn the sequences, you're going to probably struggle to really integrate it into your system. So it's like any type of motor activity. You don't become a great basketball player by playing, you know, once a week, every now and then. You have to actually practice the activity to get to master it. So the idea of ongoing repetition is needed. 
So we talked pretty specifically about some of the things that you do, but we talked only really in a general way about why you do them. So can you talk a little bit, Christy, about the health benefits that are associated with Tai Chi? Well, this is a plethora of information. Last five years, there's been almost 900 articles written on Tai Chi, and there's close to 2,000 in the scientific literature. But to kind of say and point out the key ones, there is really strong evidence for Tai Chi helping with the prevention of falls. It is a great balance exercise. So you hear people using it for fall prevention. Um, it's supported by the Centers for Disease Control and other agencies of aging to help with falls. It can help with osteoarthritis because it gives great muscle strengthening. People who have diseases like Parkinson's, there's excellent benefits for Parkinson's. also has really good health benefits for people with chronic lung conditions like COPD, so chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where you have a hard time taking in a deep breath. It can be really good for that because it's a mildly aerobic exercise and allows the body to tolerate it while they're doing the movements. And then the other one that has excellent benefit, and this is really important to the American culture right now, is the fact that it is good at um, helping cognitive capacity and staving off dementia and the fact that it can increase blood flow to the, the brain as a mildly aerobic exercise, as well as its meditative piece, helping people with concentration and learning. So that's something that's really important because dementia and Alzheimer's are growing as our um, population ages. So those things I mentioned, falls, osteoarthritis, Parkinson's, COPD, and cognitive capacity have excellent data. And then in kind of the area of good data, we have cardiac rehab, stroke rehabilitation, depression, anxiety. So it can really help with kind of the ailments that older aging adults in our culture. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. So you're a physical therapist. In what ways can a Tai Chi benefit physical therapy patients specifically? And, and are there any particular conditions that people might come to a physical therapist for which Tai Chi can help? Well, Tai Chi has so many applications in physical therapy. First of all, I could use it in inpatient physical therapy for somebody who's just getting out of a bed and helping working on balance, for example, because you're working on leg strengthening and weight shifting side to side. So maybe if you've had an ankle fracture and you have to be on crutches, you could do some weight shifting balance exercises and that might help you down, down the road. I could use it in an outpatient sports event avenue and working on high-level balance for an athlete. So you can use it in inpatient or outpatient, and you can apply it to anybody or any condition, really, that requires balance, strengthening, mild aerobic exercise. I personally can apply it to almost any patient I see in any environment I see because the exercises themselves, the movement patterns, are so functional, they help anybody. So I could turn every... PT session into 
only a Tai Chi session, but I would never do that. Have you had patients who you've been the one who's introduced a Tai Chi to them who have continued on with it afterwards, and, and do you encourage them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I live in a city in Madison, Wisconsin, that has a pretty rich complementary and integrative health environment. And so there's a lot of places within our town where people can go and get Taiji. So places to look for it would be at community programs like your YMCAs or a community-based recreational facility may have Taiji. And then also a lot of health clubs will carry forms of Taiji exercise. So I have many patients who I simply introduce to the concept and go through the basics or the basic movement patterns of Tai Chi so they understand how to move correctly, and then they can go on and take classes and learn even more. Well, from what you say, I guess you never necessarily master the techniques, but it's a continuing process. But does there come a point where somebody might be skilled enough in Tai Chi that you can kind of do it on your own, or is it always better to do it in a a group context? I think both offer benefits. So doing it on your own will create a sense of discipline about exercise. So that's good for all of us in many areas of our life to have a little bit of discipline. So practicing on your own is something that you definitely want to do. And then it's nice to go to group classes, one, because it imparts the social benefit, uh, social connectedness, and keeping you involved in exercise. Let's face it, a lot of us exercise with our friends because misery loves company. So (laughs) if we can go and do a group class like Taiji, we have that benefit of a social connection. And then the nice thing about taking ongoing classes and even taking ongoing classes with different instructors is you'll hear different descriptions on how to do a movement. And that might resonate with you and you might learn the movement better by hearing it described in a few different ways so that you can kind of maximize the benefit that way. Christy, what would you advise someone who just listens to this installment of Move Forward Radio? Their curiosity is piqued and they want to know more about Taiji and they want to like see how they might uh, be able to access resources in their community. What's What would be the first thing that you would advise them to do? So one of the things to look for is if you have access to an aging network. So the National Institute on Aging actually has a website that you can go to, and then it'll show you what programs exist in your city. So you can look things up that way or through some of the .gov websites. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, also has information on Tai Chi on their website. So if you look there, you might find information that then links back to local municipalities. I would check any type of rec centers or your city offices that offer recreational programs to see if they offer Taiji classes. So there's usually a variety of places you can find it. And then if you're looking on the Internet, you want to try and get a reputable source. So the CDC.gov websites list things that are evidence-based, so things that have had scientific literature done on them so that you know you're getting a good source of Tai Chi from just a general information. And there's lots of videos online, but again, I'd caution people to just start practicing on their own because it's really easy to make mistakes and and potentially, you know, set yourself up for injury. I don't want to plug one particular style of Tai Chi, but the model that I was trained in is actually a medical model of Tai Chi, and that model allows people to learn Tai Chi in a really sequential way because the practitioner who developed it talked with physical therapists and occupational therapists about how best to design this in a sequence that would help the patient learn it safely. 
does that medical model have a name if somebody would want to go try to find out more information about that particular model? It's called Tai Chi Fundamentals, and the developer is Trisha Yu, who has been practicing Tai Chi for over 50 years. She originally trained in China and brought it to the U.S. and in the Madison area where I live and has been teaching it here in Madison, and now she lives in um, New Mexico. But Tai Chi Fundamentals, her company is called Tai Chi Health. So if you just type in Tai Chi Health, it will come up, and you can find information about general benefits of Tai Chi, many of the things we've talked about here, its health benefits, and then the specific Tai Chi Fundamentals Adapted Program, which is that simplified medical model that we're currently doing research on in, in relationship to falls and fall prevention. Obviously, you're, you're very enthusiastic and, and knowledgeable. Can you talk just a little bit about what Tai Chi has, has meant in your life, what it's meant to you? Well, it's actually a story of learning how to slow down. I was a college basketball player and very much a type A personality and go, 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 go. And the first time I was exposed to Tai Chi, which was now 20 years ago, I was like, oh, this is exercise? This is crazy. This is too slow. And it was literally driving me crazy when I was in the class. And the instructor said, I know you're out there. You're going nuts. I have something to tell you. There's this big pause. And I'm like, well, tell me already. And he says, maybe you should think about how you live your life. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should learn how to slow down. And so what Taiji has done is made me much more mindful about how I approach my day. I take a little time to slow down. I take time to meditate now. And those types of things have made a difference in my personal life in terms of how I interact with other people, more calm in stressful environments because I can tap into the diaphragmatic breathing and the relaxation piece of Tai Chi at any moment in time, and that makes me more effective in my actions. It's kind of interesting because when you you introduced it by uh, saying it's a martial art, and I think people who have this very kind of narrow view of martial arts think of them as being almost a, a violent or warlike type of thing, but what you're saying, in essence, just the opposite. Yeah, I mean, the ancient Chinese designed this as a hand-to-hand -hand combat, but as a defensive type of fight. So, yeah, there's blocks and kicks, but most of it is learning how to use your opponent's energy against them. So you're not aggressively going after people, but learning how to interface with the environment in a, in a way that protects you, but doesn't necessarily cause excessive harm unless deemed necessary by the moment. There are many different styles of Tai Chi. When it was traditionally developed, it was passed down in five major lineages or family trees, so to speak, have been formed. The type that you're going to see the most is Yang style, Y-A-N-G. Yang style was brought to the U.S. by Master Chen Men Cheng, and that's the one that's most researched in the literature and probably the one you'll find the most frequently. Chen style is considered by many the more athletic style. There's some real jumps and, you know, high kicks. And it's, it takes a little bit more leg squat and can be a little bit more challenging to learn. The third style that has some strong roots in the healthcare system is SUN, S-U-N, and that is the style that's actually been developed and used extensively for arthritis. The other two styles are seen less frequently in the States, Wu and Wu Hao, but they also have the same basic fundamental movement patterns where things are grounded in the feet, powered by the legs, guided by the torso, and expressed in the hands. So there's this real balance of movement between 
the feet and the arms at the same time. You've given us a lot of great information. Christy Hallisey, thank you so much for speaking with us. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.